Hi, my name's Andrew Skipper. I'm chair of the Africa practice at Hogan Lovells, and I've got wide-ranging Africa experience from business to art and culture. I'm co-vice chair of the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art and co-chair of the UK government's Africa Investors Group. This is the fifth series of the A Perspective podcast in which I've been having conversations with some of Africa's top business minds and investors alongside key cultural influencers. People who are deeply committed to building on the continent and spreading the word and vision about it. They're certainly pulling no punches about the problems, but they're also spotting and delivering on enormous opportunities. So today we turn to Alistair Long, Her Majesty's Acting Trade Commissioner for Africa. In this role, Al looks after the UK government's trade and investment activity across all Africa and a team of 130 people dedicated to that purpose in 20 markets. He was previously the Regional Director for Trade and Investment for the Middle East, Afghanistan and Pakistan, based in Dubai, and then the Director for Trade and Investment for Saudi Arabia and Her Majesty's Deputy Trade Commissioner for the Middle East, Afghanistan and Pakistan. He's also my co-chair on the Africa Investors Group. And Al, it's great to have you with me today. So great to see you. Hi, Andrew. Thanks so much for the invitation. Pleased to be here. Yeah. Look, Al, we're seeing some really difficult times globally at the moment. Um, And in your role, you see that um, particularly, I guess. But Africa is still going to be key to global stability and growth in the future. First, do you agree with that? And what, what, do you, what do you think the highlights of the last six months have been for, for you in post? Andrew, absolutely, I agree. Africa may have entered recession for the first time in decades and, and may recover slower from the pandemic, uh, which is, after all, still with us than other parts of the world. But it had eight of the 15 fastest growing economies before the pandemic. Um, over half the nations that maintained growth during the pandemic were African. And it's predicted mm. to return to rates of growth unmatched elsewhere. And, and on the highlights, um, the pandemic obviously has taken a sad human and economic toll, uh, less so perhaps in Africa than was first feared, which is, mm. which is, um, which is good. But there have been some positive stories too. The way that uh, Africa, which was already embracing tech, uh, as the pandemic unfolded, you saw an acceleration of the adoption of digital uh, and Africa was ready, and to a large uh, degree, its digital infrastructure stood up. And the tech growth in places like Lagos that we've seen in recent years is, is massively mm. exciting. Another one would be the investment that's continued to flow into Africa. We've supported uh, this year alone um, three billion of UK investment into Africa, and have a good pipeline ahead. And then maybe, and the one that I'm, I think I'm most excited about. Uh, the way that Africa is embracing renewables at the moment at a phenomenal rate, mainly because of the cost and the flexibility afforded by renewables. Um, but we saw too at COP how Africa recognised the climate imperative. Yeah. Um, now, you and I are on the Africa Investors Group, and we recently held what I think was generally agreed to be a successful Africa Investors Conference. Um, how do you reflect on the progress of these events in the context of what um, what the UK are trying to do in in the, in Africa? And are any, are there any plans for future events? Um, do you think they make a real impact? Andrew, it was it was a terrific event, and uh, mm. you, you played more than your part in that. So <laughs> thank you very much. But uh, it was the second one we we've done, and it, it really felt like we'd struck mm. a chord this time with markets and business. It, it showed me 
that as we return to travel and physical contact, there's still a place for virtual events like this one, where you can reach a large audience and, and you know get across the whole huge geography of Africa. We designed it to have real focus on upskilling investors in how to mm. land investment in Africa. And, and we are seeing some impact of that in the inquiries and the projects that have materialized since. And we had our um, Africa Investment Summit in 2020 and have sustained the momentum since with, with events like this. And I think we'd reevaluate if the interests weren't there. But yeah, I see showed that it, it firmly is. So, yes, I, we will continue. And and who knows, maybe build to another summit at some point. Now now we can all get together again. Yeah, that's great. You're, you're right about being the, the present. I was in Lagos and, and Accra for a week about two weeks ago. I've, it, it reminded me how excellent it is. But also, gosh, I was tired. After yeah. two years away, I was so tired at the end of that. But anyway, look, at, at, the, at the AIC we talked about, um, I mean, the UK very clearly reaffirmed its intention to be you know, one of Africa's biggest investors, the partner yeah. of choice in Africa. Where, and you mentioned the, the three billion, which has already been invested. What mm. are the sectors you see as being the key sectors for investment for UK, for UK PLC, UK Gov, as it were, in Africa at the moment? So, so by my calculation, we're possibly the biggest mm. investor or very close to it. Um, mm. But it, it's not just about scale. It, uh, the UK's real strength is... Uh, it, its offer is it, about impact as much as it is scale. Mm. Um, impact that drives inclusive, sustainable growth in Africa. And, and our investors already have a, a deserved reputation for this. So it, it won't then surprise you if I say our sectors of real focus are those that support Africa's emergence into the new low-carbon mm. global economy and, and support the industries of the future. So um, that's, of course, then clean energy and renewables, sustainable infrastructure, inclusive mining, financial services with, a, with I think, a, a focus on fintech where, that can make a powerful contribution to financial inclusion, mm. agricultural advancement, um, and then the, the people side as well. So investment into people in education and, and also healthcare systems. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. The, the focus there is really, is really interesting and, and clearly relevant. But as we're coming in and out of the pandemic, as we said, but, um, and with the crisis in Europe, I mean, what we're hearing about increasingly, and you see it on the ground where you are in Cairo, I guess, we're hearing very worrying stories about the impact in Africa of these events being very, very serious. I mean, what, and what are the, from, from where you are in Africa and with your UK hat on, what do you see the biggest challenges you see facing Africa at the moment? And how can the UK, um, as I say, which is supposed to be a partner of choice for African uh, countries, match, you know, help out and match in partnership um, with its investment? It, it, it's worrying how these situations seemingly mm. far away can have such an impact on lives across the globe, isn't it? And, and yeah. Africa. Yeah. Africa imports significant grain from, from Russia and Ukraine, on which it relies to feed people affordably. I'm sitting here in North Africa. North Africa eats bread. Uh, you know, yeah. you see it on the streets every day. And the shortage of supply and, and rapid inflation is a real concern. Uh, so too, not just, not just on grain and, and bread, but so too on fertilizer, I think, which again supports much of Africa's food production and, and livelihoods. Um, but interestingly, in those areas, same areas, Africa can produce more food, including wheat, more fertilizer components. If you think of Morocco's potash or phosphates, 
mm. um, itself. But but that will take time. Africa also holds significant reserves of many of the metals that Russia has led the production of globally, you know, the sorts of palladiums and lithiums, the rare metals, uh, which are essential for future industries. So these, so these are all areas for possible expansion and investment. Uh, in the meantime, um, it's going to be really hard to, you know, for, for a nation like the UK to sort of infill the supply needs from, from Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. What, what, what I think the UK can be really proud of is, is the contribution, generous contribution we've always made to humanitarian causes. Um, but we are worried, definitely. I mean, look at the needs of people in Tigray, for example. It's mm. extreme. Um, and so the global community has to step up and we shall lead, lead the charge there and lead by example there. We'll also try and do what we can on supply chains, macroeconomic stability. But there's no doubt this is a real test. Yeah, I mean, picking up the supply chain point, I think, I know your team have been particularly supportive of Wankele, uh, Nene, and the AFTCA Secretariat in Accra. Um, picking up on the, what are your views on how increased intra Africa free trade can support trade between the UK and Africa? And you've put in a, a lot of resource there. So what do you see as being the, the mutual benefits there for Africa and the UK take, taking this particular process forward? I think uh, Mene and uh, the AFCFDA are, are doing a, a terrific job. That, that project, which many viewed as as a pipe dream, is is becoming a reality far faster than many give it credit. And and um, and what a big project! I mean, what an example to the world that will be. Fifty four nations in one free trade area, uh, and its purpose, of course, is is intra African trade. It's it's smoothing that out, bringing uh, and the World Bank's put some staggering numbers against this of the benefits, um, and that's our that's our first desire is to support that and to see uh, the growth and prosperity that it will bring for Africa, um, and and Africa then becomes a stronger partner, um, a stronger consumer market, a, a stronger producer, all of those things for the rest of the world, and so um, the UK will benefit just as as others will. Um, so we, we really want to support the AFC FTA, but, but they will lead in, in, in helping this project unfold just as they're doing so ably at the moment. Um, and then uh, we'll promote the opportunities that this increased access and increased ease of business provides for the UK, definitely. Interestingly, or, or, you know, already a third of the inquiries we receive are from businesses who don't yet do business in Africa and want to get into Africa. So the, the interest is there. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, these sorts of projects are really going to spur. Yeah, and, and you're seeing the, the reaction of the, the private sector, as it were, is, is that very positive? You know, there's, there's a lot of, and people I think forget, there's a lot of very big British-based companies who already do a ton of work across Africa. Are you feeling, are you getting, and, and you talk to them all the time. Um, are you getting positive feelings about investment on the back of Africa or just generally? Are you getting positive sense from them about what they're going to be doing? Definitely, yeah. I mean, they, they, they want to support it. Uh, a number of them have solutions, digital or otherwise, that, that, that could be employed in, in mm -hmm. helping this um, come to be. And then you know, they all clearly see how this solves 
uh, a really significant issue for Africa, which is which is the intra-regional trade. That once somebody once said to me, "You don't much see East Africa trade with West Africa," and it's mm. so true. Actually, East Africa tends to trade more with the East of the world and West Africa with the West of the world, and 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 you know that is a huge uh, opportunity for Africa, and our companies see that, and they they see that. Africa will do well out of it, but so too will all their trade partners and all their investment partners. So, um, yeah, it, it's not, this isn't one of those commercial opportunities that's going to uh, really sort of excite people about the immediate, but in the, sh- yeah. in the medium to long term, it's huge. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, definitely on the on the medium long term side. And there's, there's an element of people need to get their heads around, I think, about Africa being this incredibly important market for the medium to long term. Um, with all the demographics and things like that, I mean, and, but uh, looking at your particular role, you know, with the with, on trade, um, what, what's the, what's your what, how do you see your role in supporting private sector investments? Um, which many people I'm talking to are saying, look, if you want to get things done, you've got to get the private sector to do it, and the role of government, therefore, is to facilitate that and create stability mm-hmm. and rule of all the sort of things you need to see it. But put it put it put a lot of it in the hands of the private sector. Is that, is that something you with the, in the UK government support and how, how do you do that? Um, and, and um, you know, there is a little bit about the role of the African Investors Group, for example. So how, how do you mm-hmm. see the, um, your, your role in promoting the, firstly, do you agree with what I've just said? And if not, feel free to say I'm talking rubbish. But, uh, but equally, if you, um, if you do, how, how, how do you specifically with your team go about supporting UK business. But Andrew firmly agree and firmly agree that this is where our Africa investors group is really important as well but there is there's no advantage to governments uh, blocking Africa's ability to properly trade and properly mm. private capital um, and there has been I think it would be fair to say examples of where aid and government support has got in the way of the private sector a bit and not helped mm. a longer term trajectory for Africa. And Africa needs investment, patient, ethical investment that's that's about its needs, supporting mm. and sustainability. And uh, happily, that's the, the forte of the UK's private sector investors mm. who are interested in demonstrating impact, not just that return for their investment. Um, the challenge, as you and I have discussed uh, and uh, lots of other commentators have discussed endlessly mm. is, is is exposing the opportunities and getting them investment ready, yeah, and 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 then to inspire investor confidence that it can be done. And we're working all of these, um, but that's where the African Investors Group has been so important um, because it brings together existing investors who've done it, who who've who've found the opportunities, who've made them investable and, and shown that and who've stuck with it and have mm. have seen really significant rewards both on impact and indeed on on return yeah and are you seeing the i mean the the need for public public and private sector working together but with the public sector particularly um people say de-risking an element do, do you think it's an important part of the role of the public sector to de-risk some elements of projects and how how, how do you see that progressing yeah to i make them investable i think you're right i mean i think there's a sort of there's clearly a role that the the public sector can play in helping uh make these these uh opportunities mm. investable 
uh, finding the right ones. And uh, for, for us, that, that goes to, to really understanding what Africa is trying to do uh, mm. and, and, and where the ambition is. And then seeing where within that the priorities are that we can support to, to help them build their economies for the future, uh, create that growth, create those jobs, share, share the, the, the proceeds of that. And, um, and then, you know, our investors will come in behind that, knowing that that's a supported, sustainable prospect that is going to have that impact that they so want to see. Yeah, and I, and I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, under, under, you know, financially underpinning, taking out some of the risk. And I know that things like that are being discussed at the moment. Um, but I mean, t turning back to the point about renewables, I mean, again, this, there's been a lot of discuss about this. COP26, led by the UK, this year hosted in Egypt, where you are. Um, do you see a lot of progress having been made? And I think that the, the increasing focus, which, uh, to be honest, the things mm -hmm. elsewhere in the world have, have thrown up the idea that a tr any transition is going to take time. And... Um, the concept of a just transition or the transition to renewables is going to take time. And there's, a, there's been accusations from Africa that the West don't understand that. I mean, what are, what are your – I mean, I know that the UK has certain views on, mm. on, on things, but what, what are your views on, you know, gas and things like that in, in terms of a transition? So I have a lot of sympathy, empathy with that, that African argument that – um, while we talk a lot about transition, uh, of course there are there are what six hundred million plus people in Africa who don't have access to to, to power at all. Yeah. I heard somebody say you can't transition away from something you don't have, and so yeah. and so I, I think you know we do get that, and actually we we're I'm really proud of the work we're doing across the continent to to bring power to people. With lots of off grid solutions. Many of them are British companies who are pioneering that. Um, uh, I, th I think the point is not, it's not a choice. It's not a binary choice. It's not sort of access or transition. It's keeping your eyes on transition because actually a lot of the solutions to the access issues mm. are themselves low carbon um, or renewable options, which are helping towards transition. So um, it, it, it's really just making sure we all have that horizon, I think. Um, and I do worry a bit about Ukraine on this, because as we've seen from the UN Secretary General and others, it, it's encouraging a sort of zeal for fossil fuels again. And, and of course, yeah. to find the, the supply for the for needs today. But we also need to have our sights on a, on a low carbon future. And, and on, on COP, Andrew, I mean, I, you know, it's just brilliant that it's in Africa, uh, mm. in, in a country, Egypt, that's making strides. Uh, on embracing clean energy, and, uh, and 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 exciting that we get to pass over the baton, you know, from COP twenty six. It feel and it feels to me like the right moment for it to be Africa at the helm because uh, Africa is already saying to the rest of the world, look, we're going to suffer the consequences of this if you don't wake up. Um, but I, I mean, on progress, I think um, you know we, we we're not going to pretend that Paris or Glasgow has got us all of the way there, but they've both been remarkably successful, really. But the real barometer is the real world and what's happening in the real world. And, and there, you know, there, obviously there are the indicators still, including in Africa, of, of, of the degradation that's happening to our natural world. But, 
But around it too, I'm, I am optimistic about the, the rate at which renewables is being embraced, uh, the behavioural change is happening. Mm. Um, so there's much for COP27 to build on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. So lastly, are you just a, are you, I think you are an optimist. So are you optimistic about mm -hmm. uh, the UK's interaction with Africa? And what, what three things do you think we need to do to make it, give me three things to make it work? Yeah, I, I am optimistic, um, but it's not hollow optimism, I don't think. Yeah. The, reason, the reason I'm optimistic is, is because I've never had a conversation anywhere where somebody said to me, do less, or this is too difficult. Mm. Everywhere I go in Africa, I, I, my optimism is met and exceeded with the same shared will. Um, so what do we do about it? I think, um, as I said a bit earlier, I think that what we really have to to do is focus on African needs, first of all. That no effective sales strategy tries to sell things without the demand being evident. Um, but also focusing on supporting African needs is the way to build a shared sustainable endeavor. Um, I, that, that would be my first thing is we've got, to, we've got to be much clearer about we're here to support those African needs. Second, I think Trade is possible anywhere if you get that basic equation right of, of there's a demand and there's a supply. Um, so I, my encouragement to companies is, is take the first step because there's huge demand on, in Africa. And if we can help you find that demand, the rest is, is actually very, very easily done with very willing partners. And then the third bit is uh, back to that, keep your eyes on transition. I think in what we do together, We've got to have our eyes on the future world, not the current world. And that's how we emerge into the future world of uh, those innovative industries using rare metals of low carbon with Africa leading and, and being a key part of that, as it has to be, um, and, and not uh, us or them getting trapped in, in some of the old, old world reliances of hydrocarbons and those sorts of things. That's great. So, Alistair Long, Her Majesty's Acting Trade Commissioner for Africa, thank you so much for joining me on the APOL Perspective podcast today. Mm -hmm.